Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Sean, thank you for the time. Um, 29% of Canadians are effectively, to use the euphemism, broke. Yeah, that's right. They say they've got no money left over uh, at the end of the month um, to to have any wiggle room, to, to, to be able to live life rather beyond simply uh, just affording it. And then when we add people who are less than $200 away from being insolvent, meaning they've got less than $200 of wiggle room, that proportion rises to one half of Canadians. And we know that things are getting tough for Canadians during the course of the federal election. Uh, affordability rose to be the number three issue of the campaign. So it was the underlying current that the leaders were trying to address throughout, uh, throughout the campaign. You know, that really struck me. When I first saw that, when I saw your first Ipsos poll on, on what issues mattered most to Canadians, and I saw the word affordability at number three, I immediately started to think about the conversations we'd had about the very thing we're talking about now, with a third of the population being effectively broke and 48% being within $200 and not being able to pay their bills. There's no margin for for, 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 uh, emergencies there. That's right. And, you know, if we listen to the economists, they're saying that things are actually going reasonably well. We're around 2% growth, which is the new norm following the Great Recession. Um, Inflation is low. Interest rates are low. And Canadians are looking around and saying, well, people are telling us that things are going well, but I'm not feeling it. So what's the disconnect? There must be people who are getting, you know, rich off my back. Um, while I'm sitting here with, you know, very few nickels to rub together. So let me borrow another line from uh, your release, your news release on this, the Ipsos release, and then ask you to maybe flesh it out with some additional info and numbers. Normally optimistic, one area where Canadians have become less confident is how they are doing in comparison to both the past and the future. Mm -hmm. So that is is uh, both a reflection of whether their situation is improving currently, and then if they think it will continue to improve into the future. And what we're finding is that Canadians are actually uh, less likely to say that their situation has improved. Only 23% say that uh, things are better now than they were uh, a quarter ago, three months ago. And when we look into the future, only a third you know, believe that things are going to get uh, better. Uh, and, you know, one would hope that, that people are op- optimistic. They, they think that tomorrow is a better day. If they're struggling now, that they'll be able to work their way out of it in the future. But um, Canadians are becoming increasingly pessimistic that, um, you know, living debt-free or even having their debt under control is, is a realistic prospect. So is there, a, is there a feeling that goes along? I know you can't do, do polls or, or do analysis based on feelings, but is there a sense um, that, that this really is a time of foreboding? I don't want to paint too bleak a picture here, but foreboding for the future? Well, I think what we're seeing is it manifests itself in populism because mm-hmm. if, if we feel a disconnect between those in charge and economists and politicians who are, you know, supposedly telling us things are going well and a disconnect to what the average person is feeling, then uh, Canadians and people around the world 
want to make sure that uh, the politicians are listening to them, and and that's and that's where you you get leaders like like Donald Trump, and perhaps even Mr. Ford in Ontario, who you know I, I think are are populist in a sense that they're trying to uh, more be empathetic and more more closely align themselves with the feelings of the of the average person, and that rhetoric um, resonates with people because. They feel a little bit down in the dumps, uh, and it's not—it's not a regional thing. It's not something that's contained to to Alberta. Uh, these feelings are measured across across Canada, um, and they're even stronger among women, more likely to say that they've got no money left over at the end of the month, and stronger among uh, those people under the age of thirty-five, more likely to say that they've got no money left at the end of the month. It's also a case, isn't it, Sean, of reality? versus public relations. If I know that I'm struggling metaphorically and and that I can't pay my bills at the end of the month and that I don't see anything on the horizon that's positive for me and I'm looking at my kids and I'm saying, what can I do for my kids to make their lives better when my life is going uh, in, into the proverbial tank, or at least that's the way I feel, then I'm going to want to deal with somebody in the political environment who's going to say to me, yeah, I understand it, as opposed to telling me, hey, everything's fine, the economy is growing, you're okay, don't worry about it. And I'm saying, no, I'm not. Yeah, you know. and there's a growing sense in Canada that our leaders are out of touch you know, with the, with the average person. Yeah. But it's, it's not limited to Canada. This is a, something that's happening uh, around the world and, and why we're seeing uh, some some real consequences of that um, parties more fringe parties getting attention around the world uh, brexit uh, Donald Trump you know these are not causes they're symptoms of of the way that uh, Canadians feel Americans feel Brits feel and uh, and and many people around the world uh, they're, they're getting they're getting a little bit tired with the status quo because the status quo, is not helping them. They don't feel like they're getting ahead. Yeah, we pay our taxes. We we do what we can to support our communities and support our country and create a positive environment. And at the same time, we're going under. But you're up there on the stage telling me everything's fine. Well, I know it isn't. And so the 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 the, the, the politician who stands up and says, "I get it. You're not living the way that you should be, and you're not living the way this guy says you are or this woman says you are." So I'm going to tell you something different. And the message starts to reverberate, which takes me. It was a segue. You know, the next thing I want to ask you about, and we have the Conservative Party of Canada now casting about for a new leader. And there's going to be a, a, a debate in Nova Scotia uh, today with, um, maybe underway for all I know, with, uh, with, with, with a, a number of the candidates, not everybody who's running, but a number of them. I don't imagine, I don't know how many people are going to meet that $300,000 threshold to be able to become candidates. But you did a poll for Global News, Ipsos did a poll for Global News, and you found that among conservative candidates, Peter McKay has an edge. Talk, tell us about that. That's right. We tested uh, uh, four uh, folks who have declared, uh, Peter McKay, Aaron O'Toole, Marilyn Gladue, and Derek Sloan. And uh, now this is a poll among all Canadians, but we're able to uh, look at those folks who say that they uh, at least currently would vote Conservative Party, uh, but not necessarily Conservative members, right? And and that's actually who's going to be be voting. So just among Canadians overall, Peter McKay has a very significant edge because he's really the only of uh, person among the four that I mentioned who has um, any name recognition whatsoever. Uh, Aaron O'Toole, Marilyn Gladue, and and Derek Sloan 
three quarters of the population say, I have no impression of them one way or another. I just simply don't know enough about them. Peter McKay, of course, has been around a long time, former leader of the Progressive Conservative Party, very prominent cabinet minister under uh, under Stephen Harper uh, when, uh, when, when the Conservatives were in power. So just simply on name recognition alone, uh, it's really his to lose. The absence of Ronna Ambrose, many people thought she would run. Lots of people wanted her to run for the leadership of the Conservative Party. Does that uh, factor into what's going to be happening in the chase for the leadership? Is Even though she's not running, even though she's not physically and, and, and directly a, uh, a candidate and a presence, is her presence still going to be felt? Well, especially if she uh, endorses somebody. I know yeah, Ronna yes. Ambrose... She would have been a compelling candidate for a number of reasons. Her experience, the fact that, uh, of course, she's a she's a woman, very dynamic speaker, engaging, um, and would have been able to, um, let's say, outflank the prime minister on issues of feminism, for example. Um, uh, so it was quite, uh, I think, um, uh, maybe not shocking, but disappointing for the party itself that she didn't put her throw her hat into the ring. Um, and now we've got, you know, Peter McKay, who I think is is going to present himself, um, you know, much in the same light as Rona Ambrose, the more progressive side of of, uh, of conservatism. Um, and Aaron O'Toole has already come out and and uh, I think sort of staked his position in the ground as 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 being the candidate for you know the the true conservatives, not the red Tories, but. Uh, maybe those people, you know, in Alberta and other places who who um, have those more traditional values. Okay, Sean, thank you very much. I, the, it's the it's the it's the financial numbers that I find uh, so disturbing when you have such a significant percentage of the population, either in very difficult um, financial realities already. And then you have 50% of the population saying, I don't think things are going to be any better. They're not going to get better for me, and they're not as good as they used to be. That's not a pretty picture. It's not, but let's hope we can turn things around. I hope so. Sean Simpson, thank you very much. My pleasure. Always good talking to you, Vice President of Ipsos Public Affairs. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.